0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now, my guest this week is changing the game for the PR and marketing industry. Her name is Laura Vandenberg, and she founded her business Publicist while working in PR in New York, where she saw an industry that needed a big shake-up. Her finding talented marketing professionals on demand was a massive pain point for the business she was working for. The traditional way of hiring people through word of mouth and recruiters became outdated and largely ineffective. So at just 28 years of age, Lara took on a challenge to automate the industry and founded Publicist. And she did it, by the way, as a side hustle while she kept a job. This business, Publicist, is an online marketplace which connects brands with the most experienced freelancers in marketing, in all its aspects, including content, social, public relations, crisis management, and anything else you can fit under the marketing banner, the publisher's model is simple: a brand decides what they're after, and uploads all that onto the platform. And those with the right experience can see that they apply and pitch to the client directly. Then the client chooses who to give the contract to. With the past few months seeing most brands downsizing, their internal teams and agencies are out there reducing their workforces, as well as a challenge of finding marketing specialists who can adopt a tone for a brand, publicist's timing is perfect. I'm going to ask Lara to tell me about how her father, who's a very famous public relations guy, media guy, comms guy here in this country, what did she get from watching and listening to him growing up? And why is it she decided to take off at the age of 21 with a one-way ticket to New York? And what was it that actually turned her into becoming her father again, but this time in the more modern online environment? And where is she going to go to from here? What are her plans? Let's get into it. Laura Vandenberg, welcome to The Mentor.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's, It's great to be here.
0: Now, um... Got to declare everybody, uh, this young lady, I don't think I've met her before, I know her brother. Well, I've met her brother. Troublemaker. Yeah, I've met her brother, but uh, I know her dad very well. He's a mate of mine. In fact, um, her father, Grant Vandenberg, for those in the PR industry would know who the guy is, um, he has actually helped me out and and, uh, represented me on a number of occasions. So uh, apart from the fact he's a good friend. But all that aside, Lara's in here on her own right, and um, she's got an amazing story which we're going to talk about. So. Lara Vandenberg, big shoes to fill. Take me back to when you're like a kid. Like, uh, what's the deal at home? I I've always wanted to know what it'd be like living in the Vandenberg house. Were you well aware of all your dad's clients and all the, you know, the emergency things he had to fix up and all the people he had to go and talk shit with and uh, all the camera? It's like he's like a sort of a. A fixer. Uh, A a fixer. He's a milder version of Ray Donovan for anyone who's ever watched (laughs) it. He hasn't killed anyone that I know about.
1: No, no, I can't
0: confirm. You know, I remember your dad, uh, uh, you ask him this if you, uh, you won't remember this because you probably weren't even born, but around about uh, maybe more than 30 years ago, your dad used to come to a pub called the Windsor Castle Hotel in Paddington and your dad used to walk in there, (laughs) believe it or not, he used to walk in with a dog. And the dog was blind. Paddington. Yeah.
1: Mum and Dad um, had their wedding reception at the Windsor Castle.
0: Yeah, well, your Dad used to drink there often and yep. I used to drink there with a team of blokes, um, a rather unsavoury crew they were. Um. And in those days, your Dad had a – he had a publication. It was a bit of a publicity – I don't know what you call it. I don't know what's I can't remember the name. Was it, it was the
1: it? National Inquiry? It was the
0: National Inquiry, yep. yeah. And uh, it was a bit of a rag, but no, unless he sold it, everyone bought it because they want to make sure they weren't in it and they want to see which their friends were in it. Yep. And, uh, but he used to walk in this pub with a blind dog. Um, and I used to, this the funniest thing I've ever seen. And that's where I met him. I met him in that pub. So your dad's somewhat of a character. So growing up in the Vandenberg house, I don't know your mum, but what was it like? was it? uh. Your dad being the bloke he is, um, tell me about it. How does that form someone like Lara Vandenberg?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, we had an amazing childhood. So dad's obviously been in the media for forever. I think he, you know, dropped out of school pretty young and became a cadet journalist. But mum was a flight attendant for 35 years and so would often be on trips midweek. And so dad would get a babysitter for Matthew for a lot of, you know, the midweek events and two or three times a week would take me to these media launches, and you know what it was like 20, 25 years ago. It was very social and the landscape's absolutely very changed. Very social. Totally changed. It's a different world, especially mm. in 2020. Um, but I was very privy to Dad's career and how it worked, and it was, it was a crazy time at some points. Like he was, as you know, he's worked for – you know produced television shows and produced radio shows and edited magazines and then obviously pivoted to to having a PR agency um which was a combination of of all of those things but he was he's always been so in the media and we often found out you know who was the winner of the biggest loser before it happened and i remember there was one time that my brother I think he leaked it about 15 years ago on Facebook and it was, you know, a crisis in the Vandenberg household. But it was phenomenal. And I think it really gave me this grounding before I even finished school as to how to pitch in a story and how to completely navigate a crisis. And I think as dad's career really kind of has come into fruition where it is now, 50 years later, a lot of the things that he's phenomenal at is, is the crisis. And I think you just can't have that that legacy knowledge of the media landscape unless you've been in it. And so, you know, I've been in the car on on calls where where crises has happened and you see him navigate them in 30 seconds. And it's it's a total craft that not many people have and you just can't you can't have without that tenure in the industry. So growing up was was phenomenal.
0: But how did it form you? So I mean, did you, did you grow up thinking it should I always want to do what dad's doing? Um, or always. Did you, you did?
1: Always. It was never going to be. I want to be else. a crisis
0: manager. Did, I mean, did you know what he did? Or, or was he just because he's well known and he was dealing with all these well known names and people and knew all the journalists and, you know, knew how to. Def- did you know he was diffusing stuff a lot of the time? Not
1: at the time. At the time, that just seemed like. You know, upon reflection, absolutely. But when he was doing it, it was just such a smooth craft. But I think the one thing I took away is I knew I wanted to be in the industry, communications and marketing, but I never really knew which side, how to approach it. Um, but yeah, growing up in his shadow was was unbelievable. Because some people find
0: that a trouble. Like some some people think, oh, I just grew up in dad's shadow. That's a fucking pain in the ass. Like I don't really want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. Yep. Other people they think, shit, I want to be. They want to climb through it and be part of it. Yeah. Um, my assessment, I don't, I'm not in the publicity game. I don't know how it all works, but my assessment of your dad is one of the reasons he can deal his way through crisis, apart from being very experienced. Um, he knows people and the people he knows are like him. He has a personality Mm -hmm. and I know you've got an online business here, but you're an online marketplace is probably a better way of putting it. Um, how important is it, do you think it was growing up watching your dad Build relationships with people, build confidence in people that he could fix something, because that's part of the story. I mean, that's part of the game of why I would employ Grant Vandenberg, etc., to look after me in a crisis, because I have confidence in the dude. I don't know whether he can fix it or not, but I just have confidence. Yeah. What What is it about his nature, his swagger, and all the and how he builds relationships? I mean, he has a phone book. I can't imagine how good his phone his phone contact list must be unbelievable. How do how do you see that as working? I mean, what did you what do you get out of watching that stuff?
1: Well, I think one of the things that will never fade is um, is loyalty and dad, the ability to to trust him and the people that he loves, um, both clients and peers and family. He will go to the end of the earth. Why
0: do they love him? What is it? You're his daughter. What is it?
1: I mean, how can you not? He's um, I think it's that. So dad was an only child and lost his. Parents, before you know, my brother and I came into the picture, and so we are everything. And I think his friends and his family are everything to him, and he's just the most loyal and one of the most trusted people you will ever meet. As to why, like maybe that's the reason, um, but I think in this business, still today, the people that have gone the furthest are have the best relationships, and that's because how does he lay it down? You trust.
0: Laura, how does he lay it down? I mean, how. If you're a budding publicist out there or you want to get in the power news or communications whatever it is, you're talking to the daughter of one of the main men here in Sydney, how does he lay down that trust and that, that sense of loyalty to his clients? I mean, how do they you – know, why does Russell Crowe think uh, Graham Vandenberg will get it, make it, fix it, make it right for him? What is it about his personality, style, his language, his tone, his consistency, his consistency, or I mean, It's probably all of those things, but what are, what are the things that stand out to you? that you think really work Mm. in terms of laying down all these layers of loyalty and understanding and knowledge and I can fix it?
1: I think that he is... Incredibly well read across a breadth of situations, but at the same time, he has a really, really fast brain in terms of being able to figure to come to a solution, and it's faster than many things I've seen. Um, in addition to that, he is, as you know, incredibly charismatic. Um, it's it's a variety of things of of being able to read a situation really, really well, and then being able to come to a solution almost instantaneously, and. 99% of the times, it's the right solution. Um, and so I wish I had the secret sauce. It's something maybe you should bring him on and, 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 and do a deep but he dive. won't tell
0: anyone. Why would he tell anyone? I wouldn't tell anyone if I was him. <laughs>
1: um, but I agree that that little black book is, um, is phenomenal and, you know, just operates on, on his his phone is his business um, and he's been able to scale the company up and down over the years but he is as good as they come. Um, it's, a, it's such an art.
0: So, I mean, Lara's... A teenager. She's at school. Did You go to schools in the east suburbs. I did. Yep. Yep. So you're at school in the east suburbs. Um, you got this uh, enigmatic dad. And by the way, I'm not taking away any anything away from your mum because I don't know her. But
1: oh, and she's the rock.
0: Private school girl. Turns 18. Decides to go to university because you know she's passed all exams and she's matriculated or something or other. You did comms or something like that? Did you double degree at uni or something? Exactly. So, okay, I'm just, I'm going to do the usual thing. I'm going to follow my dad. I'm going to go and do comms at university. Mm-hmm. So you finished what, 21, 22? Uh,
1: I finished at 20, I think. I was quite young.
0: 20, okay. Then you take off to America.
1: Yep, 21. Oh, what the hell?
0: Like, uh, what is it? Supposed to be like a, was a delayed gap year or something? What What are you talking about
1: here? No, not at all. So I, so I finished school at 17 mm-hmm. um, and went straight into full-time work and full-time uni at the same time. So I, when I graduated, I got a job as the fashion assistant at Woman's Day magazine when it was ACP magazines. So I did a double degree of international business and media and communications at the University of New South Wales um, and was to- a total anomaly. I was, you know, attending all the night and weekend classes with all of the um, the mature students at that point. Um, and so finished the degree, uh, did a couple of years at ACP and then went on to um, work for a a PR agency here in Sydney, and at the end of my degree, I uh, had a year, another year of work experience under my belt, and decided to book a one-way ticket to to New York. So it wasn't a gap year as much as it was, let's try and get a job, see what happens. And um, it's been yeah, but how,
0: like, what, what's going through your head? No, I'm 21. I, go, I might go to New York one way. Um, I mean, like, is what what did a, what a Grant say?
1: Oh, he was so supportive. And are you kidding? He loves it coming to New York twice a year and having lunches into dinners, and you know, going to to all the parties in, in New York. But the, so the rationale in going to New York is every time I was taking annual leave, I was actually going to New York and setting up right. meetings and trying to network and understand like how to navigate the the job space in New York. So it was very much. What job much were you looking for? At the time, anything. Right. I was speaking to brands and agencies and media houses, um, and I knew that I just needed to get a job um, to get a visa, and then once I had a foot in the door, I'd then figure it out.
0: So, because it's incredibly hard, you've got to get a green card to work in the US. So, Not a
1: green card, but a visa. A visa. Exactly.
0: A working visa, though. working visa. Yeah. So, what was going through your head, though? You thought, I'm, I've got a bit of experience, I've got a couple of degrees from university, I'm, I'm bored, or I mean, or is this an obvious stepping stone for you? Did you say, I go to New York and I get a job there and I'm going to meet people and from there I know I'm going to set up a business?
1: I think for me it was We're always... you always ambitious? Always ambitious, always ambitious. Um, I think it was, it came down to being a small fish... In a big pond, or being a big fish in a small pond, or trying to be a big fish in a big pond, um, and in new york the the marketing media world that's the that's hQ where all of the brands have their budgets, the chief marketing officers are. so I just wanted to chase the bright lights and see if I could make it. I think that was always the that was the goal.
0: how much of it is do you think is do you attribute to? being fortunate enough to be born to be a Vandenberg and, you know, have supportive parents. I mean, how how important is that do you think in terms of the decision to go? Or do you think that's not important? Be, either way, you would have gone anyway. If you, if you had a rough it and thought, I've got enough fallback position. Yep. Right? Because, I mean, obviously Grant's not going to let you, you know, sit there on the bones of your ass and, uh, you know, die of starvation. Um, he's a good father, and as I would be, or as everyone will try to be, but he has capacity to help you out. How much of the decision was – do you think was driven by that knowledge or not at all?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think um, you know, Mum runs a really, really tight ship, and I was, you know, the kid that, despite being, you know, super fortunate growing up in an incredible family, I was out there at fourteen and nine months with a part-time job, um, and similar when I moved to New York, there was there was no support there, so it was very much a if you want to do this, you Go for it. you do it. Um, I mean, absolutely was there a landing pad in case I didn't get a job and a visa and I could get a ticket back to Sydney and move in with mum and dad. That was there. So really lucky to have that fallback. And I think as well, when you move to a different country at such a young age, you're a little more starry eyed and you don't have a mortgage and you don't have a family. And so the fall to the ground is a lot smaller than...
0: Seems that way, but it probably isn't. <laughs> you get <getting laughs> yourself into some real shit in New York. I mean, like, for all those people who, who have aspirations of one day just pissing off and going to New York or something, what, did you just turn up? Did you just arrive at the airport? I mean, did you pre-book something? Did you, how did you find your accommodation? Like, you just turn yeah. up there with a little bag, a little duffel bag over your shoulder and a a pom-pom hat and just walk around New York and find somewhere to stay? I mean, how did you go about it?
1: So I had connected with an Australian girl uh, before I moved over and there was a room in a a park. In an apartment in Chelsea, so I committed to taking that for three months because three months is the time that the ESTA, the tourist visa, lasts for, and so that's kind of the threshold. In when Aussies move over, they've got this ninety-day window um, to try and find a job. It's like a race against the clock. Um, in terms of,
0: so other people do this. This is not like I mean, you're saying this is a, a known. Yeah, a, I mean, the US government
1: gives out. I think it's like fifteen thousand visas annually to Aussies. I don't think we take right. them all, um, but yeah, it, I'm I'm not alone here. Right. Um, and in terms of when I got off that aircraft, I had 20 interviews set up with different companies that at different positions from junior to senior and um, and I just hustled my way and had, you know, 10 interviews a day until I actually got uh, a job offer pretty quickly um, with a company over there. And what was that job? So I was uh, a marketing coordinator with Westfield. So with a... The
0: Australian, Australian Westfield. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So...
1: They bought the property next to the memorial down in the financial district, mm. um, and so it's called Westfield World Trade Center. and And that project was a year, and so I got my first visa um,
0: at Westfield. Would like just doing, a, helping them run the promos for the for the building and getting tenants so, in.
1: Exactly. So at the time, they were trying to get all of the. Uh, kind of vacant lots leased and so we were doing a lot of marketing with the with the different teams and vendors there. Um, but it took a little longer than
0: how old were we? Twenty one. Twenty one. What are you now? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. So that's seven 70 years have passed. Yep. So just fast forward me to the day you decided to establish publicist.
1: Yes. Why? So-
0: what, what, what went through your head?
1: So I can, I'll give you the, the fast version. So then I ended up running marketing for a beauty company, um, ran marketing for a tech company. And so having worked then in um, a few different sides of the industry, it was it was a problem that I needed to solve because it was a solution that I needed. I was trying to hire for premium communications and marketing talent on demand and really struggled. Just
0: be clear to everyone listening to this, because you're in the industry and I know a little bit, but a lot of people don't have a clue what you're talking about. So <laughs> you were trying to find publicists or PR people, marketing, marketing or people,
1: content or social. People who
0: can build marketing material. Exactly. Or produce it you were trying to find these individuals for the business you're working in exactly and you couldn't find them I couldn't find them so without you think?
1: needing to hire an agency for twelve months or go through a recruiter or um, try and ask for word of mouth so it was something that that I needed um, and communications and marketing now is just so uh, widespread and diverse from you may need an investor relations specialist or um, an Amazon marketing professional or a content creator um, and you can't expect that an agency is going to, to give you all of these services. But they'll services. tell you they can. They'll tell you that they can. Yeah. But, um, and then
0: you discover sadly down the track you've spent a whole lot of money, they can't.
1: Exactly. After they've given you their A team yeah. and two months later all of a sudden you have junior yeah. yeah, yeah, C team yeah. on the on the case. Well, they're
0: good on the fashion braid. So they'll, they'll basically um, they'll establish to you in front of you how, how wonderful they are. And then once you start working with them, things change or can change. I shouldn't be too cruel to them. But what what you discovered was what? What was the need? What was the need you discovered?
1: So the need I discovered was you couldn't hire anyone without being locked into a long-term retainer. Um, It was really expensive to hire for that retainer. It was inefficient in terms of time. And often, as we've just said, you were not given the A-class team for the 12 months. So what did you do? So I built a platform. I hired an agency at the time. So this is at the end of 2018 to build a platform that is now called Publicist, which is a platform that you can uh, post a project on as a brand. And on the flip side, you've got 2,000 plus vetted freelancers that will pitch on the project, and all of the workflow happens on the platform.
0: Okay, well, I'm going go to go the break. I want to talk about this this thing called Publicist, and I think the the um, address is publicist.co, right? But but you call it publicist. Yep. Um, I want to talk about the concept. I actually want to talk about launches, soft launches, hard launch, and I want to talk about what are your future plans. Lara Vandenberg. Now, Lara has just gone quickly giving us a, a summary on, of what is, I'm sure is a much more complex life because she's a Vandenberg. She's a much more complex life than she's actually expo- espoused to us. But nonetheless, where we landed is what I really want to talk about is this thing called Publicis, her so business, which is effectively, correct me if I'm wrong now, Lara, it's an aggregation platform where you match, it's a marketplace where you match publicists or people in communications or marketing people with clients.
1: Correct. Perfect.
0: Right. And I love a marketplace. Everyone knows I love a marketplace. Um, and I mean, I, for those people who are listening, I mean, you've probably heard of Airtasker or Freelancer. They're marketplaces where it's a Airtasker sort of matches you with a million types of trades or different types of people can do all sorts of jobs for you. This is a, a micro platform to some extent in that it is focused on one area of business, which is marketing in exactly. its broader sense. Yep. Yep. Um, we, we, we know that, Lara, the reason why you've done this is because you you had a problem, you come up with a solution, and uh, the solution involved building this marketplace. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So just just to be clear, ha- has this been launched or what's the deal?
1: Yes. So we launched uh, the company in the US in May. May. Um, we launched the Australian Arm um, July 27th.
0: July twenty seventh. Okay, now explain to everybody who's listening. Explain to me too how the hell this thing works. Like, tell me the two sides of the the two sides of the business—the supply and the demand side—and then tell me about what sits in the middle. What's the machine?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I I'm with you. I love marketplaces, and and this specifically is a double sided marketplace. And you hit the nail on the head. It's it is this a micro industry, and we call it either a niche marketplace or a vertical marketplace. But Um, What's brilliant about niches are they're not that small anymore. And so with Publicist, um, we are an online platform that connects brands with Mm. premium communications and marketing talent.
0: Uh, So Yellow Big Road, one of my companies, um, and we're looking for um, somebody to do some um, online social media content for us. Yep. What do I do?
1: Okay, so you will apply to the platform and say, I want to spend $5,000 on a month's worth of social media marketing. Um, you'll say, uh, we are in B2B enterprise, we're looking for skill sets in social media and digital marketing. It, it, it
0: interrogates me, doesn't it?
1: It interrogates you. It's, you, a, it's
0: a, you know, where, where are you at, what type of, retail, what are you in? Exactly. Yeah, there's an interrogation so process.
1: industries uh, and skill sets are really, really specific just to make sure that the algorithm on the back end is, yep. is perfect and is going to get you the exact freelancer or agency that you need. And then on the talent side, so this is where we're a little different to a lot of marketplaces, the Air Taskers of the world or the Upworks—they don't necessarily vet a lot of their talents. So sometimes you don't know if someone is really skilled, if they're onshore or if they're offshore. With communications and marketing, it's a skill set that you need someone to be premium. Yeah, you know
0: what's the grocery? I don't want someone from India who's going to be advising me on the uh, the comms, content and comms in Australia. Yeah, who would never clue.
1: Exactly. I think that with communications and marketing, it in some cases, needs to be a hyper-localized skill set with things like that require more of a legacy knowledge. Some of the stuff that dad does, it's, you know, investor relations or crisis communications. You need someone to be really specific to where you are. If it was a skill like Shopify marketing or Amazon marketing, sometimes remote is absolutely fine and you don't mind if that person is in a different country. So on the talent side, you apply as a freelancer.
0: Can we just just go back on the client side? Yeah. Um I register. You register. It interrogates me.
1: Yep.
0: I'm basically filling all the fields out to make sure that this thing um is learning about me, who I am. Mm-hmm. Um I presume um the interrogation, is it based on set format of question or is it, or is it based on artificial intelligence as a result of sort of dealing with fifty people like me? Are you is there artificial intelligence involved, or are you just asking me a set number of questions for every client?
1: For the client, it's set questions. Set questions, okay. Yep.
0: So I register, fill it, set questions. You know, your system now knows who I am, and it asks me how much money I want to spend. I want to spend $5,000 for the month. Um, I can do it a month, a day, a week, a year. Or well,
1: project-based. Project-based. Exactly.
0: Okay, so and there's no lock-ins and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so uh, and I say that I'm going to spend five grand for the month just to build some content up in relation to try, me trying to find more mortgage brokers to come work for me. So in other words, tell everyone how good we are compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of it, you've got your publicists. Exactly. Or, or your marketing people, your commerce people. They're going to register as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so and we put them do? through more of a rigorous application process. Um, So we ask them things like what their experience is, their bio, their social profiles, um, what agencies they've worked with, what brands they've worked with, what publishers, where necessary, they've worked with. And so from there, we will either say, great, you are vetted to the platform and your skill set is of quality right now, or we will put people into kind of like a waiting pattern until perhaps they have more experience. So from there, once you have posted the project, if the talent is specific to B2B enterprise and social media and digital marketing, all of those people with those exact skill sets will be able to pitch on your
0: project. So they can pitch to me? Exactly. So what you're saying is, um, I put up the brief, Yelibra yep. puts up the brief looking for somebody for $5,000 for the month to do content marketing for me trying to find mortgage brokers to join my organisation, mm-hmm. to recruit, um, some Publicists, or whatever you want to call them, they're not actually called publicists because they could be anything, could be marketing. Yeah, we refer
1: to them as talent. Yeah,
0: talent. The talent will pitch back to me.
1: Exactly. The client and talent can speak on the platform. So, say, I have pitched on your project. From there, we're able to communicate via video or chat or phone. um, And you can select and invite somebody to the project once you've decided that you liked that. Yeah, because I can do it. It's not
0: really face to face. It's, uh,
1: it's good, actual... it's good actually
0: it's good cuz I can go through myself. I don't like that.
1: XXXX yep. like Oh, yeah, you look interesting.
0: Ordinary looks good good good. And uh, and then I then I go off and do short lists or I get someone to short lists yep. and then I invite them to do a like a I get are we talking about a like a Zoom conference conference or?
1: Exactly. So yeah. we've got integrations on on the platform. So So you
0: you provide that platform for them to do the conferencing? All of that. Yeah. Okay. So um and then what, what is the talent do they have to pay to get on the platform? Nope. No, no pay. No so pay. where do you where you who's together you clipping
1: so we take twenty percent of the total project
0: Of oh, the five thousand exactly on my on my example exactly. so you, for, you you get a a thousand for doing that um for providing to me that program and uh but that, that's pretty cool so do you collect any data out of all this I mean so what data collection are you at because I mean one of the great things about marketplace is collecting everyone's data and uh mm-hmm. who knows what you're going to do with it but at least collecting it, what data can you collect?
1: So first of all, we're not doing anything with anyone's data. No,
0: no, I accept that. But what are you <laughs> going to collect? What, so you, what can you collect?
1: A lot. I mean, right now what we're looking at is uh, what type of companies are on the platform. Um, we've got Fortune 500s to really innovative startups. Um, what types of uh, media marketing spends these companies have, um, what people are hiring for. So it's really interesting and kind of through COVID-19 we could see that In May, people were hiring for crisis and employer branding. And then right now it's kind of normalised to a little more PR and digital marketing. So really understanding how cyclical the marketing budgets are. Uh, We're looking at things like type of freelancers, um, how long it takes to hire um, on a project, how long it takes to complete a project, um, completion rate of projects. So we're constantly tracking. And and
0: who's that data valuable to? I mean, apart from you, but like, I mean, I always take if you're building a business, think about who's going to buy the business off you one day. Mm-hmm. And um, who's that data, data valuable to? And and probably more importantly, how do you build that data into something valuable? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to analyze it, sort of, you know, carve it up a little bit and trim it up and put it into categories and start to make each of the various data categories talk to each other. and. Yep. And build, build, some artificial, build some intelligence out of it. Definitely. So, no, I mean, you only just started, but I mean, yeah. but, but what is it that you're doing with the data?
1: I mean, we've got a brilliant tech team, so our product pipeline is just endless. Um, but with the data as well, it's informing the rebuild of our new product. So we'll, we'll launch an enterprise solution early next year for much, much bigger what brands. Is
0: What's an enterprise solution? So the
1: enterprise solution, I'm not sure how much I can give away. Um, give but me it's, a thumbnail. So it's a, it'll be a SaaS product that we sell into, so a software product that we sell into kind of Fortune 1000 brands um, so they can really understand the data on um, hiring their outsourced communications and marketing team. So really giving them tools like being able to hire up to 50 people off one project. Um, so we've got some really interesting things that we're building in, but this, this problem is, is size and industry agnostic. So, you know, Fortune 10s are trying to figure this out and how to automate and, um, and hire for their outsourced comms and marketing teams um so that's one thing that we're doing with the data um i think the the companies that it's interesting to are advertising agencies i think that they they've constantly tried to build a lot of these types of solutions in house but advertising agencies and holding companies aren't tech companies and so they haven't been able to do it i think that you know horizontal marketplaces like like the upworks of the world i think that you know the the niche vertical marketplaces this data is really interesting to them um and then just general market network so the linkedins of the world i think um this is interesting too it's it's endless it's it spans a few different categories because i think we we live in marketplace market network and recruiting
0: you're not a retail marketplace i love retail marketplaces because you get unbelievable amount of data yeah as long as you know how to deal with it and how to manage it and and you got to have Really good tech team. So um, what I'm interested to know from your point of view is you're 28. How did, You're not a technology person. How the hell did you manage this? I mean, you're in partnership with anybody. or on your own. Like, what's the deal? I mean, so, you a 20-year-old girl here, so building is building this beast. Um, and uh, talking about, you know, Fortune 10, Fortune 100, Fortune 1,000 companies, how would you put it together?
1: So the last job I had, I was the chief marketing officer at a company called Notch, which in New York is... Um, it's a data analytics company that measures content marketing of Fortune 500s. Um, my chief technology officer, um, was actually the chief technology officer at Notch. So he came across, um. Uh, the CTO. Yep.
0: For your current business. Yep. Publicist is the same guy or girl who yeah, was working at the other joint. same job. guy. Yeah, so we
1: worked, we've worked together Okay. Before. So
0: did you, did you bring him over? Like, did you walk along and say, listen, because a lot of people don't know how to recruit, like they have great ideas, but they can't execute because, you know, they might have a great idea. They might be a really good business person. Um, they know they can see a demand, they've got this architecture in their brain, but they don't know actually how to build they are not a builder, so they don't know how to build these things. So you need a tech person to do it. Yep. Can't be everything. Um They say, Well, how did I how did she get that tech person? I mean, what did you say to the dude? So
1: the way that Michael and I formally started working together it was while I was at notch and started building this product on the side, um, I outsourced the tech build to a an agency out of Poland. Um, to which I said to Michael, Hey, I'd love for you to kind of help me project manage this a few hours a week. Just, I need you to have a look at the code, make sure that my roadmap makes sense. Um, And Michael started spending, you know, a few hours a week for just a bit of stock. Um, And he became really, he came as obsessed with trying to fix the problem as, as I did. And so having had him, you know, now advise and, and be in the company for seven months, um, has been phenomenal. And so he is creating, you know, a culture of engineering because as you said, I'm a, I'm a, a founder of a tech company, but I'm a non-technical founder, which is, which is tough and has, has come with its challenges, but I've got an amazing partner in Michael. I've
0: seen plenty of tech people who've got no fucking idea about business too. They need business people. Don't worry, don't see yourself. Two questions come out of that though, what you just said, two, two interesting questions come out of for me. How important, I mean, you just said, the guy's name is Michael. Yes. How important is it for somebody like Michael or a new for that matter is when you got the idea is to make it a side hustle and keep your job. You got to pay you got to pay rent. Mm-hmm. You got to meet, You got to go out, you know, you young person. Side hustles are great, but you got to keep your job. Mm-hmm. Take me through that. Yeah. How important is that?
1: So for me it was really important. I think it was particularly important as I was tied to a visa um which is, you know, is everything. You absolutely need the visa to, to start a company overseas. Um, just to take it back a couple of steps. So while I was at Notch and I was really, really close with the founders, um, I said to the founders, I'm going to build this company. I've got this great idea. Um, to which the, the, the founder, her name's Anna Ganska, brilliant female founder in the US. She said, what you should probably do is spend a little bit of your own money, bootstrap a product and build what's called an MVP, a minimal viable product. So... At the time, what I wanted to do was go big, raise money straight away. And she goes, just settle down. Mm. Don't do that. So I listened to her, which is really probably hills. the smartest thing I could do. And by myself, I, at the time, had an agency um, out of Romania build the 1.0 of the of the platform. After a year, it went well. And there was enough data. How f- many iterations? So this we're on our second iteration now. And only now. Right? Yes. So after year one of it just being me, this is no Michael, this is just Lara, and um, I had something like nearly 200 projects through the platform year one, while I had a day job, and this was very much my side hustle. So it was at that point I then decided, okay,
0: when's this flip over? When do you go? Okay, time to leave. I got enough revenue that I can pay the bills. Yeah, so and that I'll was concentrate on, on it.
1: So October of last year I quit my job. So coming up a year, right? Um, I then decided to rebuild the technology, custom from scratch, um, and then raise some money, which we've just closed.
0: So, okay, so you have just closed the round?
1: Just closed the round.
0: Is this your first round?
1: My first round. First
0: round. How much money did you raise? Can you tell me?
1: Uh, it's just over a million
0: Aussie. A million bucks. And um and you build your your what are you building it on?
1: The technology? Python, Ruby Python. on Rails. Oh, React. Ruby on Rails.
0: Yep. Wow, it's complicated uh language. So, uh Ruby Ruby's quite complex, you know that, and you I, I built something on Ruby and uh I pulled it apart in the end and rebuilt it because uh, I couldn't find it. It's very hard to find technologists who understand who can who can write in Ruby and fix in Ruby. It's expensive.
1: I actually tried to learn, it was Python, for one hour. And at the end of it, I was like, my time is better spelt, spent elsewhere. Um, but I
0: tried. I mean, I guess that's where you really do need a tech guy or a tech person anyway. Yep who understands the languages and understands how to code for, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So that was the first question I wanted to get at you, um, you know, like this, this – because people always ask me, you know, oh, I've got this great idea. When should I make it my business or should I do it as a side hustle? Your advice as a young woman mm-hmm. is don't be in a hurry. Do it as a side hustle yeah. until you can flip them over in terms of revenues.
1: Exactly. So I would absolutely say keep the day job until you can't keep it any longer, until you are not sleeping and you are incredibly passionate and it's proven – um, your side hustle, but again, that's there's no right way to do this. No, but
0: that's I agree with your way though. I think it, I actually think it is the right way. So I mean, you got 24 hours in a day. If we work an eight for somebody else, and I'm going to work another eight for myself, mm-hmm. there's plenty of time to sleep. Yeah, and you got all Saturday and all Sunday. So for me, there's no excuse. The second question that comes out of all that is, you said you gave Michael some equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so in other words, sweat equity. Mm-hmm. In he what he sweats on, he earns. Um. How do you work that out? I mean, people sort of say, oh, Mark, you know, I want to give this person, you know, a percentage of the business, but how much do I give them? Um, a, you don't want to insult them. Mm-hmm. B, you don't want to overreward them because yep. this comes out of your ass. You yep. know, I mean, it's your hide. And you're giving it away. Yep. It's your money, your equity. So how did you decide how much you give Michael? Because so, it's an important job too what he does.
1: Phenomenal and yeah. he is, you know, instrumental to, to my business. And
0: by the way, what happens if he is he all those things but something goes wrong and, you know, you're shit, you're stuck with this guy but he's not working for you anymore because you can't stand him.
1: Yeah. So, look, I think there are a few things there. The fact that we'd worked together before.
0: Known quantity. Exactly. Yep.
1: Um, in terms of how much equity to give someone, there are phenomenal communities out there for these questions. Um, we've just gone through Stanford's uh Tech Accelerator Start X. So there we have a community of, if you have any questions, salaries or equity, there's an answer at the end of an email. In this case, um, I'd worked on the company for, you know, 18 months from ideation to execution. It was proven before he came along. Um, I was then able to say, you know, his six months of advice before he came on was worth X. And then when he formally came on at the beginning of this year, that Was worthwhile, and so to give you an answer, it was me reaching out to 10 different friends who were founders and saying, What do you give your founding employee? Uh,
0: okay, and what happens if uh, I mean, what do you say? Okay, Michael, uh, I'm going to give you 20% of this thing, just for a of I'm going to give you 20% of this, and you know, you, but you've got to give me four years' work or three years' work, I can't can only pay you a thousand bucks a week. Yep, but if you leave, you like, if you become if he turns out to be a you know, a tiller of the hunt or some crazy yep. bastard... um. And you've got to get rid of him. You want to buy him out. You don't even stay in I mean, how, yeah. what you agree? So
1: in what's super common in the US, and I'm not sure if it is here in Australia as well, but when you give equity, it's usually on a four-year vest with a one-year cliff. So essentially he um, or any employee or even myself for that matter, I won't get my full equity until I've been at the company for a maximum of four years. Yep. Um, and so it's a gradual earn. Exactly. So should something happen to me or to another employee at half the time they are only uh eligible to buy out half of their stock
0: after year 2 for example
1: right. um so there are lots of clauses in place should you, something you,
0: he has to sell to you if something doesn't get work out right in yep. 2 years he's got you know half yep. his equity cuz it was a 4 year deal yep. um he, you have to buy his uh you know whatever it is his 10% back off him to some extent yeah yep. so i mean one of the things i, I should explain to the listeners there there are concepts called good leaver bad leaver so let's say um you know Lara grants him twenty um, and percent, and it's you know five percent per annum for the next four years, and he gets to the end of year three, which means he vests fifteen percent vests in him. And let's say he's a, he's been a good person. He just his wife's got cancer, and they just have to move somewhere else, you know, just to live a better life. And uh, you decide he hasn't done anything wrong. Um, it's just unfortunate. So that's called a good lever. Generally speaking, your right to buy him back, in my opinion, should be at a discount to what is fair market value, about a 10% discount fair market mm-hmm. value because he's only got a, a minority interest. So no one's ever gonna buy a minority interest from him. So you should, buy, you should have to buy him back, but you should buy him at 10% of fair market value of the whole enterprise. If he's a bad leaver, in other words, he turns out to be Hannibal Lecter and uh, you didn't know it. And um, you know he's sitting there in a face mask in jail Usually, the bad levers you have the right to buy them at like a 50% discount, mm-hmm. so that, that's a thing to discourage them for being an imbecile, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and also gets them a bit nervous too. So, um, again, 50% mm-hmm. of what is called fair market value of the total enterprise. So, good leaver, bad levers, just for those people listening, they're good ways of doing it. You're right, it's a, a, an earn out, so mm-hmm. they earn, or earn in, they earn in over time, yep. depending on. And you've got to set all the hurdles. Exactly. These are things you've got to do. Yep. So there were two very important questions that just come out of what you did. Yeah. I want to get back to your business now. Yep. So So um, in terms of publishers launch in America. Yes. Give me the hard date and what happened since then. What's happened since then?
1: Yeah. So ordinarily I'm based in New York, as I mentioned. We came back to- I heard you got
0: COVID. Oh, you had COVID. I yeah.
1: So I actually launched the business while I had COVID. You serious? Yeah. Um, which was interesting. And look, we were sick, but we were lucky. Um, when I say we, my partner and I, we both got it, I think maybe on the plane, coming back to, to Australia. Oh, you got it back
0: on the way back? Yeah. On the, are you serious? Yeah. So you had it, you had it here in Australia at least, you weren't in New York.
1: <laughs> While we were in isolation. Yeah, yeah, While yeah. While we were in isolation. In isolation,
0: yeah, yeah. Why, why? So
1: we launched, I launched the business on May 7th or May 6th, two dates for di- two different countries. And I launched it from a kitchen bench in Perth at 3am in the morning it was supposed to be launched from the stock exchange and instead we did a live cross and it was the same day that Uber and Airbnb laid off 25% of their workforce. So we had, um, we you know, we had incredible press from it and I think that marketplaces have been really favourable this year just as we've seen remote work and people working from home and the future of work, this trend just completely spike.
0: That's good for you though.
1: It is. It's great for us but it also... Half of our press got shunned day one of, of launch, and you know we've since made that up. But that's the name of the PR game. You just don't know what headlines are going to
0: go on a quiet day.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Tuesdays are usually okay. Yeah, don't but... go
0: busy days if you can avoid it.
1: Exactly. So we launched while I was in Australia, but to the US early May.
0: So now your next move is to go back to New York.
1: We're going back uh, in a couple of days.
0: Yeah. So what's the deal now? You're gonna you've launched here in Australia, so you're going to go back to New York. Why? What 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 happens from here?
1: So from here the time zone is starting to hurt us a lot. And I think that, you know, I've got uh, my team and investors in the US, it's an American company, and we've got lots of exciting partnerships and um, and products coming up. And everyone have just been such troopers with with the time difference here. But Mm. it's been really tough. And I've just done four months of essentially working through the night, which I think the first two or three months, it was almost like you are just, there's there was no other way, um, but to be honest with you, now I'm getting a bit tired, and so really looking forward to being back with the team and on the same time zone. And, so,
0: and, and you've just raised a million dollars. Yeah, that's right. Um, you've, it's your first round. Um, what's a million dollars going to be spent on? Like, what? What are you? I mean, are you rev, revenue or cash flow positive at this stage, or are you just too early?
1: Uh, we're too early, but uh, hopefully in the first year or two. So.
0: so the million bucks is there to build up what? What are you?
1: So. It's headcount, it's technology, and it's marketing, uh, right. the three big things. It's interesting. It's We may be a company that never has an office. Um, yeah. So things like HQ and, you know, our original plans, we've been able to kind of reallocate the expectation of spend, but it really is headcount, so both on the engineering side and the marketing side, um, and then the spends, uh, tech stack, um, and then Building new products, and then um, marketing. So you are still building
0: out of po- uh, Poland or any of that or Romania. No, we're it, not. It's, it's, we haven't engaged it's, it's, with any of yeah. So all you've of got, that's ended. Inter- you got internals now, all internal. You got your, so you got your own dev team, um, and which is Michael's. Obviously sitting over the top of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So where are the most of the people in developing developing the the um, technology stack?
1: So full stack. So back end, and then we'll, we're hiring for a, a front end person at the moment. So
0: what do you what are your uh, aspirations going forward? Like, what do you want to look? What, what sort of products? I mean, I would have thought this would be so many people like you, when you were seventeen, want to go to university and yeah. you know do a comms degree. I got I got guys like that working for me now, yeah. and they tell me they learn more in my office in a week, just on, when they're on, on uni holidays, than they do for the whole semester at university. When would someone does someone like you, your your platform, uh, ever consider becoming an educator for comms students? In other words, don't go to fucking university. Uh, or if you go to university, do a year with us or a course, a 12 week course yep. with us.
1: Yes, absolutely. This is,
0: what, this is what people want. This is what clients want.
1: Yeah. And and
0: we know what they want. Yeah.
1: And it's so funny. I think I probably learned, not probably, I learned more growing up as Grant Vandenberg's daughter than I did doing my communications degree. At yeah. University. Some, I
0: mean, sometimes you got to do it just for the formality of it. But, I, I, but like if you go to law school, Um, As soon as you finish law school today, you've got to go and do what they call the College of Knowledge, College of Law, which is another year. It used to be six months, but it's another year, I think, these days, because you're not actually don't know anything about how to run a legal practice. Yeah. Um, you could sort of do that, I mean, in your platform.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that education is one of the big things that we need to focus in on uh, in building one particular product. So what we're seeing is a lot of uh, really small companies that are wanting to hire on the platform. They have no idea where to start. They've never hired for communications before. And I think that this platform is really exciting to them because they've never had access to to communications. If you type into Google, I need PR, you know, it'll I mean, be... No, I don't even know
0: what you're talking about. Exactly.
1: Um, and so I think we've definitely got a job to do in terms of being an education platform for a lot of these companies that do not know where to start or are first time founders
0: or new businesses. Yeah,
1: new businesses yeah, they, that they, have they, a budget. They, that... they,
0: and they've got to market themselves. Saying, oh, shit, how much should I allocate to? It? I mean, they don't even know how to. Uh, they, they're trying to build out a forecast mm-hmm. because they want to present to investors and they're going to have, they've got the un, under the heading marketing and communications. They're guessing because they haven't got a clue how much it costs.
1: Let alone know how to write the deck.
0: A lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know where to start. You're right. Yeah. A lot of business owners, small business owners, people listening to this, for example, haven't got a clue Mm -hmm. how much they should allocate to the budget.
1: Exactly. So
0: when they're filling out your registration form, do you have some sort of um, guides? I mean, like if it says, you know, I get stuck off $5,000 or how much you want to spend for the month. Do you have like a little... You know, like a genius guide or something that sort of says, look, go in, here's a little a few paragraphs on actually Mm -hmm. how you work and how much you should spend.
1: Yeah. So what was funny is when we launched, we didn't have any of that because Mm. as the product is in market, you figure things out. And so all of a sudden we have all of these guides and we're implementing more and more. Um, Because someone that is uh, a brand marketer for Coca-Cola is someone completely different who's just launched a a new beverage. And so it's, you know, we're putting in questions like, what's your marketing budget? Have you spent over $5 million or under $5,000 in the last year on marketing? And then you have two different journeys down, down the platform. But- yeah, being an educator is just – it's essential and, and we have to be and there actually aren't that many resources out there. Um, so that's something that we're looking forward to,
0: to building as well. Yeah, because you can't – I mean, like 30,000 a month, we can actually build 800 leads. 800 leads in my business is, is a lot of money. Yep. You know, I would have thought a lot of smaller businesses are the sort of people who might well come onto your platform, by the mm-hmm. way, because um, a lot of them can't afford agencies anyway. They, they wouldn't even know what an agency is, but they could – the agency won't talk to them. Yep. Because they haven't got no. enough money to spend.
1: Or they don't want to engage in 12 months or six yeah, months. Tar-
0: yeah, I, uh, correct. I, I don't have the confidence to engage in for 12 months. Yeah. Um, so but I would have thought smaller business and that education piece, you could actually nearly run courses. I, I reckon people would be actually pay for courses. Yeah. Short courses, um, you know, and you could get people in there to talk about stuff. I mean, maybe Grant's going to get a gig as a as a lecturer on, on his daughter's business. I was
1: thinking about putting him as a freelancer on the on the platform, Crisis Communications Pro.
0: You just raised a good point let's quickly outline the sorts of things that marketing includes. So a lot of people think marketing is just doing ads. Mm -hmm. Um, What about content?
1: Content creation is number two on our platform right now.
0: The, The most sought after thing. Exactly.
1: The second most sought after thing after public relations, because that is anything from writing an opinion piece in a newspaper or a speech or email marketing or content for your blog. So content, I mean, is just endless for what it is. Um, But we have over 300 skills and services on the platform right now. And to your point, that is anything from brand marketing to performance marketing to content creation, SEO, um, Google ads. Uh, So it really is endless. And what's interesting is a lot of these things didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, So educating and and they're constantly changing. So educating people on how to spend your budgets differently, I think is, is really interesting. And with this year and COVID, brands don't stop spending. They'll just change the way that they spend and how they spend will be different. Well,
0: totally. I mean, and I think actually, funny thing is COVID, everybody's much more digitally minded, yep. not just people selling stuff, not just vendors or clients or brands, but I'm talking about consumers. We're sort of forced to become more digital and we're on your smart device more often. So therefore, if I'm a vendor of anything, I've got to become part of that part of that ecosystem. Yep. And I don't care whether you like it or you don't like it. It was inevitable that it was going to take over our lives. Yep. And it has taken over our lives. Yep. You know, the marketplaces we all buy and sell in comes off the back of these these things, these smart devices. So if you are got a business and you're trying to market and or communicate with your market or your consumer, then you must have the people who know how to do it. I mean, as you say, like Instagram, for example, How you use Instagram changes like every four or five months. What becomes much more efficient is changed. And by the way, if you're looking for staff or all the people that you're talking about, you can go to a seek and et cetera. But the problem with those environments, I find anyway, is that they're too broad. Mm -hmm. And and actually for me, I get lost, completely lost. LinkedIn's the same. I love LinkedIn, but LinkedIn's the same. So what you've done is you've said, okay, if we're gonna be the place you come to for just communications and media. Or yep. whatever. I know I don't know what the word is that describes your marketing, I guess. Is it what yep. is it? Is
1: communications it? and marketing.
0: Communication marketing. We're the joint. We wanna be known as that. Mm-hmm. How is Lara, twenty eight year old Sydney girl, now living in New York, gonna become that place? In other words, if I'm thinking about hamburgers, I wanna to go to McDonald's. If I'm thinking about marketing and media, I wanna to go to Lara Vandenberg's so called Publicist. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Or, or are you going to wait and see it unfold and take your time?
1: Definitely not. I think this is where we have to eat our own dog food. We are a, a company that lives communications and marketing. And so um, it's really exciting for me now that we have closed our round and have I've got some money to spend in terms of marketing because the way that we spend it will be very cyclical with uh, regard to partnerships and sponsorships and, you know, earned media and you know, we again. This is um. This is something that's interesting. We've started to post a few jobs on the platform to have our own freelancers pick up our own work because we truly believe that this is the future is project based. Can,
0: can, can I rate a freelancer? Can, do you? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You, so we've got a really robust ratings yeah. and review systems, and that kind of informs the rehiring of a lot of the talent yeah, yeah, from. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, like an Airbnb.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, um, what one question would you like to ask me? You got a question for me?
1: Yeah. Um, what have you found the most successful communications and marketing that you've ever engaged with? What's, what's worked the most?
0: The thing that worked best for me, to be honest with you, is when I was in the Wizard days, w- when I launched the Wizard brand on the front of the State of Origin jersey. Um, and uh, that was in 1998. But there was a special reason for that because the Super League war was on. And as a result of the Super League war being on, um, State of Origin wasn't being played by the same people as it used to be played prior to the Super League War. And so Super League people could not play in the State of Origin. And therefore, Tui's, who was always traditionally the sponsor on New South Wales State of Origin jersey, dropped off. They didn't want to be part of it anymore because they, they didn't get the audience. So I was able to get the um, sponsorship, and it worked brilliantly for me because the Super League War finished. Kerry and Rupert did a deal, <laughs> and uh, went then it became the, um, the NRL. And, um, state of origin came back and I just happened to be there right at the right time. And people asked the question, who is wizard? So we didn't have wizard home loans. We just said wizard. And people go, who the fuck's wizard? Like, what is that? And it's a bit like the, the, uh, there was a a famous menswear brand was launched that Tommy Hilfiger and people just say, who is Tommy? It was written on the back of buses and everyone was saying, who the fuck is Tommy? What is that? Um, well, people were saying, who is wizard? And that was very powerful for us. Um, but it was cheap. Right. It became very expensive. Mm. So today I wouldn't necessarily suggest sponsoring a football team. Um, But I I believe in taking sides. So I don't believe in, um, say, I wouldn't sponsor the Australian jersey, the Australian Rugby League team, because you're trying to be everything. I'd rather sponsor New South Wales, who then is against Queensland. Queensland, therefore, hate you as a result of it. But it mm. doesn't matter if they know you. More importantly, they know who you the are. Brand
1: marketing and awareness is really important. They know you. Yep. And,
0: uh, and that was probably the most powerful bit of marketing I ever did. Um, and, but it was just at the beginning. It was only powerful to launch the brand. That that brand was launched mm. on the front of a state of origin jersey. And I launched it with every dollar I had. Yeah, right. I had to sell my house to launch it in 1998. Wow. And, um, and the rest of the money I got from selling my house, I used to build a business. But... So it was – I love uh, that. I was desperate. I was desperate for outcomes. I had to get an outcome. Yep. So therefore I had to chase it. So that's why it worked. Um. Today I'm not sure if it would work as well because we got a lot of sponsors, a lot of games, we got soccer, AFL. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot going on out there. It's a very crowded marketplace. Yep. People often ask me about sponsorship and I'm not sure – I mean in sponsorship in terms of um sport. I'm not sure how effective it is today. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I I am firm on this. My current Yellow Brick Road, our YBR digital marketing, our social media content marketing, Mm -hmm. and all the data intellect we get from it, so all the behind the scenes, you know, marketing 24 hours, 24, days a week, 365 days a year. um, To be honest with you, I think that's much more efficient. It works brilliantly.
1: Yeah, and it's an engine that you can measure for. So you know exactly, you know, it's very binary you put this in you know what's coming out
0: worked in worked stop start again exactly and uh, and but you need to have the smarts behind it you know it's not just a matter of putting something on instagram and you need all the the data smarts you need to be able to have the back end behind it that can actually monitor everything and do the analytics yep if you want to go down this track make sure you know what you're spending the money on what works yep. and how you, and it's a game of tweaking you're always refining exactly always changing yep. it and it's a continual game, you kn- and you need someone to do it. Like you've got in your business, and I've got in my business too. I know some people do it themselves. It's tiresome. Mm-hmm. It is a tough gig, monitoring that stuff. It is. Laura Vandenberg, it's so nice to see you in here. I do remember when you when you were a little kid, <laughs> um, but I never, I had, I don't think I've seen you ever since then. You were, might have been about, I don't know, twelve, thirteen. I don't know, but I remember you coming out at the footy with your dad once. So. It's lovely to see you. I'm so glad, an Australian is doing well in New York. Congratulations on your money raise. Thank for you so much. Your first round. And congratulations on your business, Publicist. And you know what? It's so good and refreshing to get a young person in our environment who's not afraid to do and try and have a crack or have a go at anything. And it doesn't surprise me. There's an old saying, an old Greek saying, but the apple doesn't drop far from the tree. So I don't know your mum, but I know Grant. So I'm not surprised.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been
0: great. You're welcome.